we're going to continue on with the topic of addictions and finish it up. <clears throat> and we'll just do a quick uh, overview of just the two, two sections we did look at. So uh, we noted that addictions um, come, some of them come from habits that have just gone bad. We're going to look at a couple other reasons for addictions tonight. But um, they, uh, addictions are something that happen regularly. We usually don't think about them. They reflect our in, inside views. They grow stronger and more intense. Uh, we do them over and over and over. They persist and they become hard to change. And uh, usually there's some degree of satisfaction we're getting from them. Sometimes we don't even know what that is. We, <clears throat> and we don't even know why we're doing them. All right, so these are some characteristics um, <coughs> of uh, those controlled by habit or addictions. So um, usually they're, uh, a person that gets addictions usually also has multiple bad habits, and usually that's even before they get the addictions. They don't like to obey law or people in authority. Uh, they, this is probably the biggest one. They think their addictions are going to resolve their problems and give them peace. They don't keep their bodies pure or treat them with respect. And they don't practice self-denial, self-discipline, and self-control. So we talked about that quite a bit. And so we can now see kind of how all these things are tying together, um, all these different topics. So let's look at the cycle of addiction. Um, the cycle of addiction is, is kind of a difficult situation because um, in this case, we're going to look at addictions that are caused by some sort of pain. So if you start over on the other side there with past pain, so somebody's got some pain, and it may not be a physical pain, it may be a mental pain, but they've got some past experience that's caused them pain. And we see this with people who maybe have been molested when they were children, where it, it affects them the rest of their whole life, and that pain is there. Um, and there's other things that are less, um, less drastic than that, but, but sometimes those past pains go with us in life and they cause us many, many problems. So <clears throat> those past pains um, will usually kick off a cycle here. And the first thing is some sort of mood-altering experience. Now, what, would, what might that be? A mood-altering activity. Drugs is probably the most obvious, right? Alcohol. Alcohol. Um, spending money for some people. Exactly. I have known people. Spending money. Women um, particularly yeah. seem to have more of a, of a, of, not an aptitude, <laughs> propensity to that than... Even, even overeating can be yeah. a, a sign of that, where uh -huh. We feel better when we're eating, so uh -huh. we have some pain that's causing us pain. Uh -huh. And so to alter our mood, we eat. Now, the eating isn't even the problem. But over time, you lose track of what caused the whole problem, uh -huh. and you think you got an eating problem. Uh -huh. And the real problem is some other past pain. I've got so. a couple of friends, mother and daughter, who are fighting that <clears throat> now. Uh -huh. uh, and they, they realize now what what they're doing to themselves yeah. and hopefully they'll be able to overcome I, I just pray that they will and we're getting into a societal norm now where people are just saying well just accept people the way they are and don't don't uh, don't uh, say things try, about them yeah don't try to change <clears throat> and well it's okay to accept the person you know when someone's got a 
let's say a weight problem that might cause them a health issue, yeah. you don't really want to just let that go. And so there is some amount of acceptance that's just going to make that problem worse. So the mood altering activity is a way that we try to escape that pain. I hate the way I feel, I have tormenting thoughts, and I have to escape this even if, even if just temporarily, just for a little while. So they'll do something that causes that, and once that works, then what happens? Because we want to do it again. Repeat it again. Because, okay, I felt better during that time, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And a lot of times, the uh, whatever they use to do that with, it has less and less effect, so they have to use more exactly. and more, and more of it. Yes. And then they create a cycle. When that ramps higher, um, then you have to do it more and more and more just to get the same amount of, um, of feeling out of that. I have to do it more and more and more. And what that creates then is the addiction itself. Now, once you've done that, even let's say you're just spent overspending. Well, pretty soon you're in debt. And then you start realizing that that's against your values. Alcohol, you're doing that. That's against your values. Drugs. And when you start having that, then you start feeling guilty. And once you start feeling guilty, then that causes you shame. All of that causes you pain. Well, you were doing all of this to get rid of a past pain. Now you've created a new one. And now you hit that top again, and you're right back into the, what am I going to do to fix that pain? Well, we're right back to the addictive behavior again. This is a hard cycle um, to break. And as Jason said, not only does it happen over and over, but it happens over and over even quicker and quicker because um, you're getting whatever you did doesn't attain the same feeling anymore, so you have to do more of it and more of it and more of it. And with any cycle, the cycle has to be broken in order for you to get out of that situation. So um, this is going to just continue to happen over and over and over. So what is probably the more obvious way to get out of these situations as a Christian? Pray more. Pray more. Uh, read your Bible more. Know that God still loves you. Yes. The the shame and the guilt are there, but so many times people think, well, God can't even love me anymore, so there's no point in <coughs> trying. Yeah. And they need to know that God loves you regardless. Yeah. And so if we look at like Psalms 124, verses 7 and 8, it says, The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. That's where we're going to escape mm -hmm. all of this. And so this is a, a spiraling downward kind of behavior and we need to come back up to, to a, a higher level again to get out of the situation. So what are some things that would cause us to have trouble breaking this addictive behavior? Well, one of the first things is self-defeating thoughts. And what is a self-defeating thought? Can't do it on my own. Yeah, it's just kind of that Eeyore effect. I just lost my tail again, and it's going to happen over and over. I can't get out of this. And so I can't control the habit. It's just too strong for me. I, it shouldn't be this difficult to change. It must be me. Um, I don't have what it takes to overcome this. I'll never be able to overcome this habit without some supernatural help. It's unfair that I have to deny myself the enjoyment of that, this activity. That's a real dangerous one. You know, that's what you hear so much, of course, with in the homosexual. Uh, yes. Now, uh, uh, craze, fad, whatever <clears throat> it is, 
other people have uh, have satisfying relationships. Mm -hmm. Other people get married. They have children. Now, why do I have to yeah, deny why myself? Not, why not me? Yeah. Uh, another is my desires are too strong for me to ever deny mm -hmm. them. What do we know about all these things? I mean, it sounds like, okay, there are things in our life we'll just never be able to overcome. Well, we know they are. we can overcome all things through Christ. And so it might not, be a continuous battle. Yes. You know, because it's going to be always in the forefront. Yeah. But, but at least if it's a battle you're fighting, you know, many of these things are kind of like, I've given up. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not yeah. even going to fight anymore. I'm just stuck. And so the, the self-defeating thoughts kind of, they take your fight away. They take your desire to get out of the situation away. <clears throat> and so um, I can't stand going with the pleasure. That's how it gives me. It's, it's, I'm not worth all this trouble, so why try to change? God knows I'm too weak to overcome the habit. I'm just a loser. God won't help someone like me. I've been doing this far too long to try to change now. This has just become a part of who I am. God understands that this is too difficult for me to change. Those are all bad attitudes that will keep us stuck in these cycles. So uh, 1 Corinthians 14.20 tells us to not be children in our thinking, but to be mature in our thinking. And that's basically telling us, grow up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> These are excuses, really, instead of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but people don't want to hear that. Yeah. And so next we're going to look at excuses, because that's another area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another area that we, um, so what does an excuse do? Kind of a, you can use the word itself. Justifies it. Justifies it. Excuse ourselves. Excuse ourselves. Yeah. We'll just say we're not, it's not me, it's, so these are lies we tell ourselves. The previous group list of things were lies we tell ourselves also. But these, so these are two. And so here's some excuse. I feel better, and besides, I deserve it. A lot of people do this. No one's perfect. Many of these things are true. Like, yeah. no one is perfect. I deserve it. They do make me feel better. That doesn't make it right. It's useless to try. I can't control this any anymore. I, I don't want to try. I don't want to risk finding out I can't do it. Doing it one last time won't make any difference. You ever have that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to go on a diet, and I'm not going to eat any more cookies, uh, uh, except for right now. I'll have one more. Well, I'm not <coughs> going to say I'm not going to eat any more cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you on that one. <laughs> what I'm doing isn't really that bad. A lot of people do worse things. Well, that's true, but that doesn't make any difference. It doesn't justify what you're doing. No, I haven't been able to change before, so why try now? Everybody needs at least one vice. Uh -huh. Really? I don't yeah. think so. We don't need any more vices. We, we have our natural quantity already. Um, if I give this up, something worse will just take its place. Well, it doesn't have to. This is not a good time for me to change right now, or I don't have the time to focus on this right now. These are all attitudes that will cause us to lose the battle. We'll lose the war. We'll, we won't be able to, to make it. Jeremiah 7.24 says, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels, and in the stubbornness of their evil heart, and went backwards, not forwards. So excuses and self-defeating thoughts, instead of helping us move forward, they help us move backwards. And uh, when we're in these cycles, these addiction cycles, um, we are moving backwards. Every time we go through it again, we're going backwards further and further because we're getting this thing so indoctrinated into us 
and being such a part of us, it just makes it harder and harder. <clears throat> so why do some people change and other people don't? Well, that's a good question because it seems like some people don't have as much trouble as others. Well, maybe some of that's in our degree of self-control, our degree of self-denial, our degree of, of uh, self-awareness. <coughs> so, um, do you think God put any sort of deep desires within man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are some very important ones. Uh, one of the first commandments he gave man was to go, re go populate the earth. Mm -hmm. There are some strong uh, emotions and desires in that. Another one is um, to love him. That's a, an extremely strong desire. Those things are planted in us. They're, they're part of us. They're part of our makeup. So um, with some people, they have a deep longing to have intimacy with someone. It should be with God. But they don't know that, so they're trying to fulfill this deep longing in other ways. And so um, sometimes we get in these addiction cycles because we're trying to attempt to meet our God-given inner needs for love, significance, and security, these three items. And some of these are, are necessary, <coughs> you know. They are important. We eat or we die. Do but we, the do yeah. Do we need to have, do we need to be able to satisfy the need to love mm -hmm. someone? Yeah. And to be significant mm -hmm. and to have security? Those are all very deep needs for us. But God gave us a way to satisfy all of those. When we do that in an unnatural way, then we have problems. So here's some ways that we'll do it on our own. Instead of trying to satisfy the love for God that we should have and having love, we'll sometimes uh, do that by sexual activity, pornography, drug use, or overeating. Those are ways that we'll go about trying to fulfill our need for unconditional love. And these are, these are stimulating our senses. These are uh, kind of appealing to our lusts. And so these are things that make us feel good, just like we talked about earlier. And so we try to do that in place of the love that we should have for God. All of the uh, temptations <coughs> that Jesus went through. Uh-huh. Uh, the They fit all those, the, yes. The, the, three, the, the three main sins, yeah. Sins, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, significance, we all have a need to be significant. None of us wants to be in, insignificant. We don't want to be uh, just passed over and not looked at, but <clears throat> we try to fulfill that instead of looking at how much God loved us and what He gave for us. We'll try to fulfill that with uh, performance of our own or being popular, having a high position in life, having power. These are ways man tries to satisfy that. And if you if you believe that God has put these things in us, and He has um, set us up that way so that we'll seek Him to achieve these, then that's a pretty strong desire. And if we try to satisfy in these other ways, it's just not going to work. It's not ever going to fill the need. But this is how we do it on our own. Security. Well, we want more possessions. We want more property. We want more money try to accumulate people to us. Um, <clears throat> so acquiring things uh, is how we would satisfy that. And so these become uh, addictions because we're trying to satisfy something that we can't satisfy um, in this way. These are not going to satisfy us. And so so why do you think God gave us these things? You could, you could say, well, God gave me a, a strong desire to love a strong desire to be significant and a strong desire for security. He's just put in me a 
a way for me to go off track. He's put in me desires that's just going to cause me trouble. He's channeling a way for us to be happy. <clears throat> yes, and so we're so if we're going to satisfy these and do them in the right way, then what do we need to understand? God's guide rails that He has set for us. And He's the one that's going to satisfy all of these. That when we look at these three things, we need to look at God as the solution, mm -hmm. and know that He's the one that's going to meet our needs. So. God wants us to seek Him. If we have needs that we need to satisfy, they will help us to seek Him. And especially if these are strong desires, they will have, they will help us to seek Him even stronger. <coughs> and so uh, the need just to um, satisfy these things is actually a way of for God to cause us to seek Him uh, in a very strong way. So uh, Isaiah 58, 11 says, And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places, give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, and you're like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. That's kind of an oasis in the middle of a desert is the way you're going to look because you're satisfying these deep-seated needs the correct way. When you try to satisfy them uh, with our own ways, these are things that are going to get out of control. <clears throat> and so love, significance, and security are three things that we need. So when we look at this, another way to fall into these addictive behaviors is to be uh, having these deep inner needs that we need to satisfy and try to satisfy them the wrong way. So uh, one of the things that will help us, um, and this is kind of an outline of the rest of the section here, is... Um, God, we need to allow God to satisfy our inner needs of love, significance, and security. Um, the second point here is we need to develop a strong spirit. <clears throat> a, strength, a strong spirit will help us to persevere. It will help us to push through. It will help us to keep going. Um, as we talked about earlier, it will help us to fight when we know we need to fight. And so uh, 1st, 2nd Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body of the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. So we have all these things, but they don't take us down. They don't bring us down. They don't get us down. And the way he says he's doing this in verse 10 is he's always looking to the, cru the crucifixion of Christ. And that way he's got a focus. He's got a way to keep him from falling off course. <coughs> the next thing is uh, we need to declare freedom from things that hinder success. So let's look at some of those. So, is freedom important to, to us? Especially in the United States, right? We're, we're free, we feel like we're free to do whatever we want. Anyone who challenges that freedom, they're in trouble with us because we don't want that freedom taken away. People will live for freedom, they'll die for freedom. Um, but freedom from God's perspective isn't allowing us to do whatever we want. What freedom is for us in God is to do whatever is right. To be slaves. And we're slaves of Him, mm -hmm. even though we're free. But, we're free from sin. Yeah. But we're not free to just do whatever yeah. we want. If we're not slaves to God, we're not free. Right. And so... We are, we are free to do whatever is right. And so that is to love Him first, 
and then to allow His love to flow through us to others. So we're called to be free, not to indulge our fleshly desires or satisfy our own selfish wants, uh, but to choose others, choose to serve others with true humility out of genuine love for them. So there's a different focus here. We're called to be free, not for our own selfishness. We're called to be free so that we can focus on God and others. <clears throat> and so um, this means we have to choose how we're going to think and how we're going to behave. And that, that involves breaking the power of whatever habits might control us. So if we have addictions, we need to be able to control those if we're going to be able to do this. So if you have an addiction, are you free? No, that's, that, that addiction has taken you slave as a slave. It's your new master. <clears throat> it reigns over you. It, uh, it controls you. And so, <coughs> whenever we have a bad habit, uh, well, let's, let's see. Yeah, whenever we have a bad habit, um, sometimes, I mean, we always need to deal with the things that we're doing and the things that we need to fix. But there's a lot of times when we actually need to look at that and figure out why we did that in the first place. You ever hear of dealing with symptoms and not the root cause? A lot of times we can fix the symptom and not fix the real problem. Like if we're overeating because we've got a past pain in our past, well, fixing the overeating isn't going to solve the problem. We're just going to go do something else. <clears throat> so we're going to find a different way to satisfy that, that uh, to make us feel better about that past pain. If we go and, and dive in and fix the past pain, then the overeating may take care of itself. Now that may be a learned behavior to the point where we also now have to fix that too, but it will be a little bit easier. So, do we all have a, a propensity to do a certain thing that we just can't overcome? We all have a problem with sin, don't we? Are we ever going to overcome that totally? No. And so, all of us have the same problem. We're all, we're, we're not unique, we're not off by ourselves. We all have the same problem. So we all have the same need, and we all have the same uh, desires. <clears throat> so in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 17, which is what the verse numbers out here refer to, it says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So you're called to freedom, not for yourself, but you're called to freedom so you can serve others. For the whole law is the fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. So we're called to be free, not for our own indulgement, but for others. We're commanded to love others. Um, because loving others is the foundation um, on which all laws are based, and loving one another summarizes the entire uh, law of God. We're warned about failing to love. Not loving each other can lead to fighting and devouring one another, and it can ultimately lead to destroying one another. <clears throat> Told how to live, we're supposed to fully yield to the power and control of, of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, and be victorious. And uh, so we know we're engaged in an internal conflict, and that's just a, a lot in life. We're going to have to deal with it. Um, but we have to understand that our natural inc inclinations are in conflict with God's Word. 
and then we need to choose who we're going to obey, the spirit or ourselves. <coughs> so this is a, an area where self-control, self-denial, self-examination, um, selflessness really, really comes into play when we're talking about this. And actually this exercise of loving others and caring for others will help us to put ourselves in the back seat instead of putting ourselves in front. All right, so we, we know that through all of our studies so far that self-control has been very important and it's just as true with addictions. So first of all, self-control is not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not overcoming one bad habit to replace it with another one. <coughs> what it is though is it's saying no to a negative habit and yes to a positive habit. So, we're going to start with a commitment to truth, admitting what habit God wants you to change. So there's a bunch of beliefs here that we have to have. And so with each one of these areas, I'm just going to kind of hit the main topic, and you can look at these on your own. But um, we have to have certain beliefs, and then personalizing is to um, take the scripture that's listed here and put it to work in your life. So the idea behind each one of these is, is uh, there are some activities and actions that, that you need to take, like believing, repenting. <coughs> so we need to separate our sinful habit, writing out what it's costing you. A lot of times we don't do that. We don't realize how much our bad habits are costing us. If we actually sat down and took note of it, just like we should sit down and count our blessings, if we sat down and cost, counted the impact of everything we do that's negative, I think if people realized it was Satan that was reinforcing these addictions uh, and God wants to pull them out of it, I, I think they depend on themselves. They don't really realize that it's, yeah. you know, they're giving Satan a victory. Yeah, and, so, and that is the last thing Christians want to do. Yeah. That's a huge cost when you yeah. think about it. It's, you're, you're giving yourself over to, to Satan mm -hmm. instead of to God. And so, um, so write out what it's costing you. Set a new goal to do better, and picture yourself establishing that new habit. So this is kind of a visualization activity. And then uh, here's some tasks that you can do to make that happen. And then a personalization. Stand on the truth. So you know what the truth is about the matter, and then set a time to start. So these are activities that kind of make us very decisive about this. We know what we need to do. We need how we're going to do it. We're, we're going to set a goal on what on, on exactly what we want to do, and then we're going to set a goal and get started. Next, um, we will substitute God's thoughts for our thoughts, and really that's just a different another way of saying we're going to let God lead us. We're going to follow His word, not our own. <clears throat> and then we'll surrender our will to God and seek out an accountability partner. Now we've talked a lot about accountability partners. I haven't really used that term so much, but uh, someone who will help us, someone who will um, uh, make us accountable. If we won't be accountable to ourselves, then someone that will make us accountable. And then stay on track with your new habit, practicing it for three months. So at some point, you're going to say, oh, I have this bad habit with overeating. Hey, I'm cured. Well, what do they say about alcoholics? Always alcoholic. You're always an alcoholic. And why do you think that's useful? Because it seems self-defeating, doesn't it? But it is you're useful. always on guard to protect yourself. Yes. Once you know you're prone to that, 
And you'll continue to admit that. You will be more watchful of it, and you'll be more likely not and to do it. You probably will help somebody else. I have a good friend back in Texas. He <coughs> hadn't had a drink probably in 40 years. He said, well, he doesn't call himself an alcoholic. He said, I was drunk. But he still goes to the meetings. He goes any time, day or night, if anybody needs him. Yeah. Uh, but and and because you have overcome this habit, you can help somebody else. Yeah. So when, uh, if you admit that you did have that habit. Yeah. If, so if we stay on track and we and we practice it for a period of time, mm -hmm. that just means that okay, we got through that period of time. Now we got another period of time, and then we got another. Oh, we just got to continue to do that. We can't can't let our guard down. So those are some activities we can do um, in helping us break a habit. Um, this is probably one of the most important ones. Sometimes we feel like all we need to do is tweak something a little bit. Well, sometimes what we really need to do is transform. And the difference between those is making a minor adjustment in your life, and the other one is completely changing your life. <clears throat> when do you see this happening? We got a new purpose. God's purpose is now for me. I'm going to set a new priority. God's priority. I'm going to set a new plan. God's plan. When does that happen for most of us? When we first start. Yes, when we become Christians. And so that's why I think this kind of stress is how important it is to become a Christian in the first place. Because we make this, you know, most, most changes in life... Um, aren't going to happen without some significant emotional event. If we just make a decision, I'm just going to change something, and there's nothing really behind it, it's probably not going to stick. <clears throat> but becoming a Christian is a pretty significant emotional event for us, and it, and it kind of drives a stake in the ground. And so at that point, we know we have to transform our life. We know what we've been. Uh, we know what we need to be. And so we're, willing, we're more willing at that point to... Um, create a new purpose, a new priority, and a new plan. <coughs> but that means also that if even after we're a Christian, we've been there for a while, and uh, we've done all right for a while, but then we get in, in trouble, uh, maybe with an addiction or a bad habit, um, we may need to, to transform again. We may need to step way back and kind of start all over and just rededicate ourselves um, to, become, to being a better Christian. And so sometimes it's not even incremental change, it's transformation, which is which is hard. It's hard to transform yourself right in the middle of life. I mean, some of the things we looked at were, you know, I've been doing this my whole life. Well, yeah, that is tough, but we do have to change. All right, so probably the most obvious one is if you want to change a habit, then we have to break a bad habit. <coughs> in order to do that, there's a bunch of things that we need to to um, be able to do. So I'm skipping section F and moving to, to G, and then we'll come back to F if we've got time. So the first thing that I'm breaking of that bad habit is we need to, to know we've got the bad habit and decide that we're going to change. We're going to do God's will instead of our own. We need to ask God for wisdom to know His will and to do it. Um, we need to, to realize that God has already given us everything we need. We just need to go find it and, and understand it, put it into practice. Uh, it helps to write out the strategy that God has given you so that you know exactly what you need to do. Many times we put a lot of the stuff in our heads and we start executing and when we don't do it we just kind of forget all about it. Writing it down sometimes helps us to remember that that's actually what we intended to do. 
identify the wrong beliefs that support your habit, and then plan ways to remove that, uh, the reinforcements for your bad habit, like if your bad habit was eating and that made you feel better about something else, we got to recognize that that's true and uh, remove that. <clears throat> Again, share your plan with someone else so they can help you resolve to stay on the course. And probably the, the number one thing is just being able to say no. Because a lot of times we want to say yes to everything. And so it's being able to say no. Alright, so there, there's an example here uh, in section F of stopping smoking. Um, <coughs> this is a pretty common thing in the world, pretty common for, for people who before they became Christian. And so if you have a bad a habit of smoking, um, many people have a difficult time to break that. Well, there's a few things you can do. One of the first things is to kind of think about why it is you want to break this in the first place. If you don't have enough good, a good enough reason to do it, you're not going to do it. Um, my mom smoked her whole life, and she got lung cancer. And and I just I just kind of said, boy, the way this addiction's got her, she's never gonna. She's just going to smoke herself right down. And you see people in the hospitals with their oxygen tanks taking off their mask. They can I have seen put their mask back on. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? It's so sad. And my mom quit that day that they did the operation. She's never smoked again. So um, it's sometimes you just need a reason. Um, and that was a pretty big one, right? I got lung cancer. If I do this again, it's probably going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a pretty good reason. Um, but there are other reasons, like we've got listed here. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple different ways, like with smoking, you can either taper off or go to a cold turkey. What's the benefits or the pros and cons of those? Is it easy to, to just go cold turkey? Sometimes it's not. But sometimes tapering off is just as bad because you're still feeding that habit. And, and sometimes, some people just need to cut, you just need to stop. Some people can taper off. I don't know that everybody's the same, so you have to use what works for you. You know, with anything, whether it's smoking, alcohol, pornography, if you're tapering off, it's always still in your house. Yes. And so that's like saying, let's taper off of pornography. Well, I'm going to leave the magazine underneath my bed. Right. Just in case I need to look at it once a week instead of every night. And that may illustrate that there are some things that yeah. you just can't taper off. Right. You're just going to have to go cold turkey on. Thank you. And so um, these are ways to kind of help you, like carrying a limited number, limiting what you buy, buying only a pack at a time give them to somebody else so that they're the ones that are uh, being your conscience for you. Setting restrictions on when, breaking patterns. Uh, go, going cold turkey, you just got to get rid of everything and, uh, and get rid of it. So that actually is a better way with most things because it's gone. But some people, when they just go cold turkey, they, um, they can't do it. Now, some ways like the, the patches, the, the, the nicotine patches, yes. That's kind of a, you're changing the behavior at the same time because you're still, you're not smoking, but you're getting some of that chemical in your system. And so that might work a little bit better in some cases, but um, that's a way 
of, uh, of breaking a habit. Now, if you go to the end of the your um, packet there, um, I told you this last time, but the uh, accountability section at the end, there's a bunch of questions there that if you become an accountability partner for someone, you can uh, use these questions to ask them, whoever you're helping, or you may need to be accountable, and these may be questions you need to ask someone else or yourself. And then the last one is just another example like this, but of compulsive spending. That's probably more likely a problem we might have than smoking, and sometimes it's just as hard to break. So there's just another example there for you to study through and look at it and uh, get a little bit more information. All right. Thank you. Thank you.